Hey everybody, how you doing? Bobby Blotzer from Rat here, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Stephen Piercy from Rat. You're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi there, this is Ricky Faulkner from Judas Priest, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Welcome to Iron City Rocks. I am your host, John, coming to you from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best hard rock, heavy metal, and blues music talk. We've got two great uh, guests joining us in this episode. We have, from the band Judas Priest, we have Richie Faulkner joining us to talk about the band's new Blu-ray concert DVD that's coming out. And we also have joining us the uh, leader of the band Rat, Stephen Piercy, will be joining us in just a little bit to talk about his new book. So first, we're going to talk to Richie Faulkner of Judas Priest. They have a Blu-ray disc coming out on May 28th. It's available at Amazon uh, and a lot of other fine retailers. Two hours and 20 plus minutes of Judas Priest doing a career-spanning set. Had the opportunity to catch them when they did that show in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Incredible line of music if you're a Judas Priest fan. All the hits and a lot of really classic album cuts from the band. So we're going to talk to Richie about the Blu-ray, the DVD, and what's going on with the priest and uh, what's next for Judas Priest. So let's get into that interview with Richie Faulkner, Judas Priest. First off, the DVD, uh, you guys are doing a big uh, premiere on the big screen with the, the, uh, the concert film, uh, two hours and 20 minutes of, of, of the entire set. How, how is that seeing yourself on the big screen like that? Is that uh, kind of surreal? Absolutely. I mean, it's kind of surreal. You see yourself, you know, on YouTube and stuff like that before this uh, uh, DVD Blu-ray has come out, you know, so you see little bits and pieces, and that, that's always you know, amazing and surreal to see. And now, you know, on the big screen, I don't think Priest have done that before. They haven't put a live show in this format. Mm-hmm. So it's exciting and obviously exciting to see myself with Priest for the first time on the big screen is pretty surreal. There's no other way to describe it, you know, as you said, it's, it's, it's absolutely surreal. Yeah, I think this is an excellent opportunity. As someone who had the opportunity to catch the Epitaph tour, uh, you were able to kind of prove your worth uh, to the band to, you know, 15,000 fans a night. But I, I think, uh, you know, for a lot of people, this is going to be their first chance to see you uh, with the band. Um, and you are obviously uh, quite honestly rose to the occasion uh, with some great playing on this particular recording. Were you particularly nervous going into that night? Um, I mean... I didn't. I didn't let myself become nervous. I mean, I was uh, excited, um, 
you know, I was confident that um, I could do the job, if you know what I mean. Sure. Um, I was respectful of the of the shoes I was feeling in the position that I was taking on the stage, you know. And, uh, you know, I didn't, sometimes if you let nerves into the equation, uh, they can trip you up, you know. Certainly. So I knew that there was, there was no point in being nervous. I did have a point to prove in, in terms of I had to prove to the fans that I was capable of being there. Uh, and I think that's a healthy position to be in. I think the fans, because they're so loyal and so passionate, uh, they got the tickets, they came down to the shows, they, they checked it out, uh, and they, you know what I mean, they, they gave me a chance, and uh, I could only thank them for that. And uh, within about, you know, a minute of the first note, they were they had their hands in the air singing along with me. So it's a great testament to the fans that, you know, so I did have that, that point to prove. Um, and, you know, Again, I can only thank them for it. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, for someone who made their debut with the band on American Idol, it, it's hard to have a much bigger stage than that. And this was actually recorded almost, what, a, a year to the day or darn close to when you debuted live with the band. Um, so it certainly was good. Uh, this was actually, was this the final night of the tour that you guys did this? This was the last, the absolute uh, last date of the, of the Epitaph tour. Okay. Uh, we filmed it in, in London, England, um, and we didn't. We, me and Rob were talking about this yesterday. We didn't have any backup plans. So yeah, I was going to ask you about no, that because you know you, you flub a song, you you had no room to really uh, do it again the next night and fix it. Exactly, and uh, we were joking about it really. Cause if we had thought about this, you know, maybe we would have uh, you know come up with a, a different plan, you know. But, you know, if, if, this, if the electrics had gone down or the, you know, if we had any technical issues, the crew were going home the next day. We were all flying out to different areas around, you know, different places in the planet. And, uh, and so we didn't have a plan B if anything went wrong. But as luck would have it, it came off without a hit. It was a great show. It was a great homecoming show for Priest, you know, to yeah. finish off the tour in England and in a historic venue like Hammersmith. And, um, you know, there's, there's been countless iconic live recordings from there, Finn Lizzy, Live and Dangerous, uh, Live After Death, Iron Maiden, you know, and it's just, it's a great, iconic, historic venue to play in. What better way to wrap up the tour, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the ghosts of that building, uh, certainly, and you can feel the love from the fans. I mean, they're, you know, singing along to, you know, I don't want to say obscure pre-songs, but certainly not, you know, the 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 songs of, you know, Living After Midnight, you expect to hear a crowd in anywhere in, in the world to sing along, but, you know, you guys were doing some, you know, deeper tracks and they're right there with you, uh, which is fantastic. Um, the, the catalogue of, you know, like Never Satisfied from the first album, Starbreaker, they haven't played that for, you know, decades, really, and, you know, I mean, you know what the priest fans are like, they know all your stuff, uh, and, and if they're not familiar with it, they, they're familiar with it by halfway through, you know, by the, by the sort of camaraderie in the room. They just get swept up with it, as I did as a fan. So it was great to see that as well. Yeah. Now, um, doing the tours, was it, did you ever find yourself kind of being a fan on stage and just kind of looking over at the, at the other four guys? And, and, you know, I'm sure as a kid, probably everybody's ever picked up a guitar kind of fantasizes about stepping into one of the greatest bands of all time. Did you ever find yourself kind of pinching yourself? Absolutely. I mean, you, you do, I've said it before, you, you never think that that's going to happen. You know, you're never going to get that call, but you aspire to be that good. You know, you look at these guys and you think, that's what I want to do, that's how good I want to be. Um, 
And when, you know, you're on the stage with them, some of the, you know, you're, you're focused on your performance and your role in, in the band and what you're doing and you're playing. And every now and then you can sit back a little bit, like Diamonds and Rust, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, the acoustic guitars come out, so I'm standing playing the acoustic guitar and I get a chance to look around, you know. Breathe a little bit. Out there singing and there's Glenn on the other side. And, you know, when you're looking out into this sea of passionate heavy metal fans, and it's just, you pinch yourself every night, man, you know, it's just an incredible, you know, experience to be out there with these guys, and in front of these amazing people mm-hmm. in amazing countries around the world, it's just, you pinch yourself every night. Yeah, now, um, on this uh, DVD, and I know from, from the show I caught, you uh, seem to be exclusively a Gibson man, was that, uh, obviously, you can tell you're pretty passionate about Randy Rhodes, um, is that kind of where your love of Gibson started? You know, I, I started I actually started playing Stratocasters, um, because of Jimi Hendrix, you know. Hendrix yeah. had one and that was the dream guitar, that was like the you know, the holy grail and mm-hmm. I started playing Strats and then for some reason I I think it was more of a functional uh reason why I went to a Les Paul. You know, it just it was more sturdy, there was no tuning issues to do with the trend system and you know, I don't know too, I didn't know too much about it at the time. It wasn't like a a calculated move. It was just, oh, I prefer this, you know, this feels better. It's heavy. I like the weight of the Les Paul. I like the neck profiles. Again, I didn't know all that. It just felt right, you know. Um, I like the sound you get from the, the humbuckers and the weight of the wood and the resonance. And all the, what I was doing at the time and what I've been doing since, it's kind of, it's been, it fits what I want to do and the sound that I hear in my head and, and that goes for the same with the, you know, the Gibson SGs and the Flying Vs. I put the, the trend systems on the Flying Vs because I didn't want to take the wood out of the Les Paul, you know. Um, it was just, you know, it's, initially it was a tool that was functional for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been playing them ever since. I've still got a couple of strats, you know. I've got a couple of strats and uh, the Mightiest thing and, uh, you know, but the, the Les Pauls are the mainstay. And obviously you've got people like Randy playing them, or, or you know, used to, God bless him. Um, you know, Zach and Shenke used to play the Flying Reed, even Hendrix used to play a Les Paul every now and then, and an SG. Mm-hmm. Glenn used to play, you know, Les Pauls, and Ken used to, obviously he's famous for playing the Flying Reed. And, you know, I just thought, well, you know, then it gives me an excuse to get the Flying Reed out with Priest, because that's yeah. what I yeah. think you could get it out, <laughs> you know. But, um, yeah, I think the Les Paul is the, is the mainstay of my collection. Um, are you guys uh, actively writing a new record? Obviously, you're, you're doing some promotion right now for the DVD, but is is there a new album forthcoming? There is. There's, there's one in the works. Um, we It's all written. Uh, me, Rob, and Glenn, we wrote for two months last year, and we got all the songs together. It's being tracked at the moment, so uh, it's in the process of being done, and I can't really say much more than that. We don't want to sort of you know, run with it, but it is being, uh, it is being tracked, it's, you know, it's sounding great, um, it's sounding very, very Judas Priest, uh, yeah. so we're all happy with the way it's turning out, but, uh, you know, more than that, I can't really say, so you'd have to keep your, keep your ear filled, if you know what I mean. Absolutely, and then, um, obviously, calling this the Epitaph Tour and the talk, I mean, is it, is it correct that basically there just won't be as grand a tour uh, down the road? Or, or. Think, yeah, that's what it. That's that's basically what it meant. You know, I think there was a bit of confusion yeah, initially. Uh, it was the last world tour, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of people thought that was the last tour, and it actually wasn't. And 
it was the last world tour, which is the, you know the last extensive tour. I think you know you know where the band is in their career, they're going to pull back you know from these extensive you know year six you know eighteen months uh, joints around the, the planet. We might do three months in Europe and have a few months off. Right. You know, go and do you know some dates in Japan or you know something like that. I mean, so the, the band will be out again. There will be a new album, um, but we're, ju- we're just taking it as, we, as it goes at the moment. There's no deadline for the record. Sure. Um, so we want to focus on that, get that done, and then we're going to start thinking about doing some more dates. So yeah, you know, we will be out again. Yeah, there's a band. I mean, obviously, I mean, even before you were in the band, there's a band that's deserved to take their time, uh, kind of tour at their own schedule. You know, obviously. You know, um, as everybody gets a little bit older, the thoughts of being on a bus for 18 months is certainly not, uh, you know, something that uh, you probably look forward to quite as much, you know. And uh, I mean, I'm fine with it. So I'll, I'll probably yeah. be calling them up when they're 95 saying, you know, <laughs> let's go, guys. Get back out on the tour bus, you know. Um, but, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, that's, at this stage in their career, you know, they've maybe got a bit of a luxury to sort of pick and choose when they want to go out. But, um, but we'll definitely get out again. Yeah, that would be great to hear. Awesome. Okay, Richie, I want to thank you. Brilliant. Thanks for Have you ever listened to an album and thought to yourself, man, I could do so much better than that? Well, here's your chance. My name is Sue, and I've decided to write my next album live and online at RageAndApathy.com. So come on over, leave me a comment, and tell me what you think about the album and where you think it should go. And as a bonus for you Iron City rockers out there, I will give you an exclusive copy of the first song as soon as I get it finished. So stop on over to RageAndApathy.com and join my madness. All right, a giant thanks to Richie Faulkner of Judas Priest for coming on the show and talking to us about the new DVD, Blu-ray. Available again May 28th, uh, available Amazon, Walmart, all those great places. And now we're going to turn our attention to Stephen Piercy of the band Rat. Stephen was the founder of the band Rat, uh, the first member of uh, kind of the classic lineup. Uh, he and Robin Crosby got the band started way back in the early 80s. He's got a new memoir out called Sex, Drugs, Rat, and Roll, My Life in Rock. Uh, it's a really enjoyable read, um, not quite as uh, mudslinging as some of these books and not quite as graphic as others, but uh, interesting tale. Uh, he does a great job of kind of talking about his youth without going into so much detail that it bores you to tears uh, and gets to the, the interesting stuff uh, pretty quick. So it's a book you can pick it up. It's on Gallery Books right now. So let's listen to a little bit of Rat, and then we're going to talk to Stephen Pearson.
Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome to the show from Rat. We have Stephen Piercy on the line. How are you doing, Stephen? Real good. How are you? Doing very well. I want to talk to you about the new book you have coming out here, Sex, Drugs, Rat and Roll, My Life in Rock. Um, what kind of got you into the, the idea of doing a book? Um, I've kind of been wanting to memoir something for the last uh, five years now. And um, it so happened, you know, I was going to call it Rat Tales, and what happened was our drummer decided to put out a book called Tales of a Rat. And I'm like, okay, it's time to tell the real story here and give people a little insight of, you know, my life and what people really don't know. There's so much misinformation about the band, and it would take actually probably five books to cover it all. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I just wanted to give people uh, a little insight, not that they didn't know, of the band and, you know, how it got started and and as much as I could uh, with what I had, you know. Yeah, and it's always good, I think, to get the, you know, the story from the band itself as opposed to, you know, there's obviously, you know, with your band, with any band, uh, you know, when there's members in another band, there's things in the media and things get twisted and, and you never really get to hear people's, you know, sides of the story. So it was interesting. And, and the one thing I really appreciate about your book is it wasn't a mudslinging book. You know, a lot of times, you know, people tend to to use these as a forum to blast everyone that's ever wronged in the world. But I didn't really feel that with your book. It seemed like... Um, yeah, like like the public is your therapist. I know where you're yeah. coming from. That's, that's why, you know, um, when, you know, our drummer decided to, to uh, uh, put out, you know, what he did, and, and he pretty much slammed his own group. And I decided, mm-hmm. you know, through all we went through, it's, you know, our audience... You know, and, and we're very fortunate, you know. We didn't think we'd stick around for a couple of years, let alone have multi-platinum success, arena tours for as long as we did, and we're still out doing it. And to this day, um, you know, with all original guys, and it, it was it was really a proper time. Yeah. And I, I didn't want to hold back on anything, but there was no reason to sling any mud, you know, or dirt. Per se, you know, I yeah. just told it like it was and was very honest about it. Um, so there you have it. Yeah, I, I think the one one of the things about the book um, that I, I assumed you would touch on, and I think you did a very nice job, was talking about your relationship with Robin um, and the struggles he went through, and even the struggles you went through with addiction. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, was that hard to kind of go back and revisit some of that stuff, or was it? Is it somewhat of a therapy for you to go back and kind of talk about some of that stuff? No, not at all, because you know what? It's it's part of the course. I mean, you know, when you get into the business or whatever, into music, thinking, you know, it, it, it's, uh, you know, what I what Robin and I called the three Ps, uh, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, you could be knee-deep in it without even knowing, and that's what happened to some of us. You know, I mean, all of us went through our own trip, and, you know, there was no reason for me to touch on a lot of that either because, you know, Robin was my right-hand man in, in 
in the band and creating it, making it happen. Everything from the songs to the look to mm-hmm. presentation and, and, and what we learned uh, from, you know, peers like, you know, Van Halen or whoever else. And, uh, you know, uh, I wanted people to know how important Robin really was to Rat. Yeah. Um, you know, because at one time I literally was by myself, mm-hmm. you know, with the band. Everybody... The band imploded the early version, 82, with Jakey Lee and stuff, and and Robin was there. And we kind of looked at each other and went, let's go. Yeah. Yeah, and that was kind of interesting. As a fan of the band that I remember, you guys, uh, you know, as, as every kid of, of our era, when Round and Round hit, but you you don't really think of the band, you know, the process of how you guys came together. And, and there wasn't the information back then in the circus and Metal Edge and things like that to kind of tell us, you know, we just assume you're, you're five guys walking in together kind of simultaneously and had a go at it. But that wasn't really at all the case with Rat. This was really your baby, you know, from yeah, day one. Yeah, you know, Sure, and you know, you know, down to creating logos and look and this and that. You know, I mean, I got into this business per se or into music by default, mm-hmm. fortunately and unfortunately. But the payoff uh, was good, and it was an experience, and I'm still living it, and I'm surprised. Uh, but you know, it's a it's a grueling uh, occupation. It's like our old manager said, you know, it's a dangerous occupation, and most people don't know it, you know. I mean, yeah. any any major successful band has uh, had something terrible happen, and it's almost like, okay, so that's, that's the sign that you made it, you know. Yeah. Um, through, you know, something terrible, and I guess it is, you know, yeah. uh, unfortunately, you know. When you think about it, I mean, it, you, you you think of a band like Rat or, or Motley Crue or, or the countless bands that made Behind the Music, which was kind of a, you know, almost, mm-hmm. you know, a, a really validation that you were relevant, that they bothered to make a show, and every one of those shows kind of centered around, like you said, that tragic event in, in any band. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, one of the things, yeah, that I, unfortunately, there, there's a lot of good. I mean, you know, absolutely. to this day, we're still getting these gold platinum records, and it's mm-hmm. like, you know, God, people really do like us, you know, or you know, you don't think about it, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like rat was a one-hit wonder, and the one thing that really keeps us together through all the turmoil, infighting, and and disagreements, agreements, whatever is our music. It's like, look, it's our music. Yeah. You know, we can do this with our eyes closed, but it's literally the music, you know. And to me, that's why I still do it. I mean, I actually told my band, you know, the guys in Rat, and even my circle guys, you know, one day, if I ever just walk off that stage you're going to know I'm done, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it hasn't happened yet, but, you know, sometimes I look out there and I just I just shake my head and, and, and just go, God, you know, we're blessed in such a weird way, yeah. you know? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things I enjoyed about this the, the book, uh, you touched a lot on your interactions with Van Halen. as is not only an inspiration uh, back when you were in the club days, but you know, kind of Eddie wandering into your house and things. Um, do you want to just talk a little bit about you know, maybe the first time you met Eddie, what that experience was like? Well, you know, I was a guitar player, so, you know, back. And, uh, before Mickey, you know, Mickey Rat, and, you know, um, you know, a friend of mine kept telling me when I started learning how to play guitar and really kind of getting into it, got to see this band. Well, eventually I did. Drove myself up to LA, and there was Dave walking up the steps back to go backstage at the Whiskey, because I knew bands, you know, do sound checks, because mm-hmm. I used to go to the sports arena near my house in San Diego, and, you know, these girls would be out there, yeah, we'll get you in. That never happened, but, you know, um, there's Dave. And I said, Dave, you want to smoke a joint? Sure. And what I really wanted to do was meet Ed. Yeah. You know, and talk at bars, because he was this new up-and-coming guy. And, you know, I'd go back to San Diego and tell my buddies, there's this band, this is unbelievable, this is where it's at. And they would be... Well, 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 I got to meet Ed, you know, traded equipment. Uh, he was really into getting a box head that I happen to have, a box 30. And uh, we just became friends. I took Robin up there, and then we started playing Tommy, I was a guitar player, and we met uh, Ed and just became friends. And, uh, you know, years and years later, they're full-blown successful and rat breaks and mm-hmm. you know i get this house and he ends up living not too far away you know and uh you know we just run into each other and it's a total mutual respect thing you know yeah but we learned a lot i learned a lot from them robin and i of how to you know direct the circus per se you know yeah. and and uh, we took it seriously, you know. No, this is how it's done, you know. Yeah. Van Halen doesn't like, you know. Van Halen does this. Van Halen, he <laughs> was DHVH, you know. And so it was all good. It was a great, uh, how it happened, and it was just in in, in the cards. Yeah, and, and you can, you know, looking back when you think about it, you can kind of, you know, compare. You know, Rad and Van Halen, uh, you know, obviously maybe not musically, to a degree. I think you guys have always had a little bit more of an Aerosmith swagger. But in the in the fact that your shows were events, uh, and it was more than, you know, there was, there was a show. You know, you guys uh, made it fun to be at a Rat show uh, the same way, you know, David can make, uh, you know, anybody have a good time at a Van Halen show. And that, there's something to be said for that. You know, it wasn't just yeah. an image you know, there was there was a lot to it. Yeah, you know, once we lost our image and you know, you know, we did a lot of things and models and they were breaking and you know, we opened shows for them in the the club things not the rap uh the rap of uh Lee. And, you know we we didn't want to ourselves you know, ourselves from the other half, female mm-hmm. audience. You know, you ran an alien show and it's just, it's such a deal. 
Mm-hmm. And the lock their image down, which is an entire thing, you know, and, you know, cut us out of that heavy metal cliche thing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it was a discussion, you know, and, uh, you know, we made it work, and, but it, it, it's such, it was such a process, you know, but, you know, we did want to make our shows a party, because to us it was a party. You know, until you discover, wait, this isn't you know, twenty million dollars here. You know, mm-hmm. uh, how could we spend it? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. It seems like you guys you found ways to spend it. Yeah. Uh, oh, geez. do we ever? Um, you know, and uh, so we did a party. You know, we we saw it as a party. We never knew for how long it was going to last, and, and we just. Went for it. I mean, we lived how we lived before the band broke. Mm-hmm. Uh, all it was is, you know, instead of a standard credit card, we got the gold and platinum credit card. Yeah. You know, you could af- you could afford food at that point, which is oh god, yeah. Instead of a you know a, a sport chicken and a six pack of tall bud, you know, yeah. in heaven, you know? Yeah, exactly. All right, Stephen. Thank you so much, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right, a big thanks to Stephen Piercy again of Rat, Sex, Drugs, Rat and Roll, My Life and Rock. It's available now in gallery books. Also, again, thank Richie Faulkner for coming on the show and talking about their new Blu-ray. You can find more information about us at ironcityrocks.com, ironcityrocks at gmail.com if you want to drop us a line, facebook.com and twitter.com forward slash ironcityrocks. Thank you for listening to the show. 